0: Hey, good Friday, Tuesday. Actually, good good Tuesday. It's not Friday, it's Tuesday. Good Tuesday to you. Um, this is Rev Tom, and it's another episode of Rev Tom Talks. Yeah, I'm going to call this Rev Tom Talks. You know why? Because I've got a uh, podcast now. Can you believe that? i got a podcast. It's called Rev. Tom Talks, and you can find it on Spotify and all that. What it does is it takes all these sermons I have, and it gives you the audio. Uh, The reason is somebody, a buddy of mine said, I wish these were on audio. Well, now they are. So you can look at Rev. Tom Talks on Spotify or your favorite podcast uh, service. Also, uh, I have a new website if you want to go there and see all the blogs and and the sermons and and my books. There are three books up uh, that you can just get, and they're free, PDFs. Um, one is, do you want to be healed? Allowing God to heal brokenness in your life. The next one is is uh, about foster care. It's life after foster care, a survivor's guide. And it talks about what happens to you in the foster care system, how you come out and some things you need to know if you want to kind of survive uh, that process. And then the third one is called an intelligence officer's guide to Christian evangelism using human intelligence tradecraft to recruit for Jesus. That's a fun one. That's the one where I take some of that stuff I learned over the years and tell you how to apply it so that you can uh, bump people and talk about Jesus to them. It's, uh, it's kind of an interesting book. So all three are there at uh, tomman.org go take take them take them out and uh you know you can download them you can do whatever you want just read them enjoy them uh they're they're there for everybody and i would tell you that even if they're not for you they might be for somebody else so turn them on to it and uh, that would be a good thing tonight i want to talk about um value basically our value systems What we place value on and how we go about doing that and i want to uh, juxtapose that against ecclesiastes the book that uh, king solomon wrote talking about he how he valued things and uh, solomon's an interesting character right so he's king david's son And uh, um, God doesn't let David build the temple because there's too much blood in his hands. So Solomon gets to do this. Remember, God kind of comes to Solomon and says, which do you want, wisdom or wealth? Solomon says, I'll take wisdom. And God says, good choice. Because you chose wisdom, I'll give you wisdom and wealth. But God said, hey, but, dude, um, here are some boundaries, right? Solomon was the wisest person who ever lived. He was renowned for being able to, to, to tell people wise things. Except he couldn't follow his own advice, and he basically screwed up his life royally, uh, broke everything God told him uh, not to do, and writes his book, Ecclesiastes, at the end of his life, and says, man, I blew it. Um, He looks back on all his life and all his accomplishments, quote-unquote accomplishments, and realizes that uh, none of them had any meaning and that the only thing that had value was fear of the Lord. and so you know poor guy <laughs> lived his entire life and 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 wasted it basically. Uh, not that he didn't do some good things he did, but uh, he he he's like a lot of us right you can give your best friend or you can give your friends really really good advice but when it comes to your own life, you can't figure it out and and you know why is that there's actually some psychology behind that by the way why we can be really good at giving others advice because we see it a little bit more clearly a little bit more objectively but when it comes to our life we can't figure out heads from tails and so uh what i want to do is talk i don't know if this is gonna be a sermon or if it's going to be a counseling session um i've run into a lot of people lately that have their value placed on wrong things and that that's really what spurred this conversation tonight is i'm driving down the road actually this morning um, Sometime about two in the morning, I woke up and went, "Oh no, I'm preaching today. I don't have a I don't have a topic. 'Cause I completely forgot that this was my Tuesday to preach. And uh, you know, God's always good. God God always gives me something to talk about. And I was at class this morning teaching at Corbin, and I met with a student afterwards. And I'm driving home, and I was just thinking about just all these kids that I work with at the university, and and how interesting it is to be old like I am now, even though I don't feel that way. I feel like I'm their age but remembering very clearly being their age and what you place value on at that age, right? And and the difficulty of not having enough experience in life to understand where your value should go. And these are good Christian kids. I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm envious of them. I wish, I wish that I had been in the faith like they are. When i was their age i would have avoided a lot of trouble Um, not that i wasn't a believer but i certainly wasn't a follower and there's a difference these kids are trying their best to follow jesus they love the lord and it's amazing to watch them but they 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 struggle with all the things that you know 18 19 20 21 year olds struggle with Um, trying to figure out self and identify their identity and trying to trying to figure out what is valuable and what is not valuable and it's a very very, I think a very important process in the in the personal development of people, and so i bless blessed that God allows me to speak into people's lives, because I got some uh, you know I got some road wear on me. I've got I've got some experience, and so I get to talk into their lives and say, ah, oh, you know, you may want to not want to hit this pothole. Uh, that's a great thing that I get to do, and it's 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 really fun. But it, it it's not just the kids. You know, I do a lot of counseling with uh, older adults and and. Uh, and you see it everywhere. Uh, you see it in the media. You see it in celebrities. You see it in your friends. You see it at work. People have their value system all screwed up. And I'm not talking values in terms of their morals, in terms of rights and wrongs. I'm talking about how much weight and, and do, you, do you place on things? How much value do you give something? You know, for example, uh, when I was growing up, and, you know, I'm at the very end of the baby boomer generation, we used to say, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Now, kids are brutal, right? Every one of us would be uh, considered bullied these days. That's, that's, but in our day, that was just called school. Sticks and stones would break your bones, but names will never hurt you. You, you, you just really didn't give value to people calling you names. Um, that, that's what we learned growing up. and We even had that little cute little saying. Where today on social media someone calls you something you you've been shamed and oh it's just craziness and for my generation we watch this and go what the heck why are you even giving that any value it doesn't have value uh, somebody's opinion I saw this great line it says don't don't accept someone's opinion about you uh, if you're not a person you would go to for advice. I think that's just a great thing. If someone's saying stuff about you that that is uh, uh, not someone you, you respect or would go to for advice. Well, what the heck? What does it matter what they say, right? But they place value on it. So what I want to talk about tonight is is what Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes does, because it really goes through our lives. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a great book to talk about how Solomon at the end of his life came to the conclusion that he had placed value importance on things that didn't have importance and he placed those things above the importance of god in their life in his life and that's what he's um, you know bemoaning at the end of his life of the book everything's vanity he says everything's just just um, worthless everything is just his pride so let me kind of walk you through this. And again, I'm kind of riffing tonight. Uh, I don't have notes. I'm just looking at a, a sheet that's telling me uh, the different things that Solomon did. And I'm just going to go off on them and, and just see where the Holy Spirit leads. So you know, buckle your seatbelt. Who knows what's going to happen? So the first thing that we know about, about Solomon is that he, he pursued wisdom. He pursued knowledge, okay? Knowledge is great. I always tell people, and this is kind of my, the old Tom talking, information is power. Um, look at the media. How, how much power they wield because they have information, right? How much how much power you wield when you have more information than somebody else. But with power comes responsibility, and so he's searching for knowledge, and he's giving himself a lot of self worth because he knows a lot. He's he's the wisest guy in the room. He's always the smartest guy in the room, right? He's king, so that's a good thing, and. Knowledge in in and of itself is actually worthless. And, and I know you know I'm a college professor, and I know some of my friends that are in the in the university are probably cringing right now listening me say that. But let me let me hear me out. Knowledge for knowledge's sake has zero value. Now, if I if I want to learn, for example, I'll give you an example. So I've learned how to do video editing. It's knowledge. Got this program. Had to learn how to use it. And great, I know how to use video editing. And I know how to do that now. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty competent at it. Well, yay. Who cares? Uh, who cares? Well, it's how you use your knowledge that has value. Right? So, Scripture tells us, and I think it's a Colossians 3.23, And all you do work as if you're working for the Lord. In all you do work as if you're working for the Lord, not for men. So, if I take my knowledge of anything, let's take this video editing example, and I use it for God, and I use it for the kingdom, then there's some value you can place on knowledge, right? And, and and because it's being used for the kingdom. So my video editing, the reason I learned it was my church had to go online with its services, and somebody had to do it, and you know we had to film it, and someone had to edit it, and then we had to put it on YouTube, we had to learn how to do all that stuff. Um, we, we didn't know. You know, I'm a baby boomer for goodness sakes, we don't know these things. Um, And we did it. And the knowledge is great. Now, could I use the knowledge for other things? Sure. Um, I made this really cool little karate movie for my karate kids. It was pretty fun. But uh, the knowledge of in and of itself is nothing. Now, how many pompous jerks do you know (laughs) that think their knowledge makes them something? Thinks that because they're smart, because they have letters behind their names, because they... um, uh, you know, have attended the better universities, whatever. Think they're better than you. Now, I I see that unfortunately, I do, I do. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things. Knowledge is power, and sometimes we don't wield our power correctly. Aren't we supposed to do with everything in humility? Right. We're supposed to consider others better than ourselves and you know just because i have more knowledge of something than you does not make me better than you in any stretch of the imagination it just means that maybe i put more effort or time into something you know for example my karate in my karate studio one of the things we do when we, we get there is we bow in right um, and what we do is we get a circle and this is something i learned from my sensei's years ago you know going on four years is there's nobody better than anybody else in that circle. Now, I've been doing this for 38 years, so I have more experience than they do, but they are just as valuable human beings as I am. And there's nothing special about me uh, that I have more knowledge than they do. We're all equals in there. And I don't care if you're just visiting for the first time, first time learning how to throw a punch, or if you've been there for four or five years with me, and you're getting to that point where you could test for brown or black belt, um, we're all we're all equals in there. But people with knowledge sometimes feel as if they're superior, and unfortunately, you see this in the university system quite a bit. Um, I'm not going to talk about Corbin because I don't know the professors very well there, but I can talk about my own experience at U of O. Man, the professors lorded it over students because. They, they were smarter, and that's not all professors, but there's some. And that's not what scripture says. So scripture says, look, we, we don't do like the Gentiles. We don't lord things over people. We just, we value people. Now, you can place too much value on education or too much value on knowledge. And it goes both ways, right? You can be very, very educated and think you're something when you're nothing. Or you can not have as much education and be very, very intimidated by people who do, and think you're nothing because they're something, and so that knife cuts both ways, and that is about giving too much value to a situation. Okay, so yeah, I've got a lot of experience in life, and I can I can speak onto a, a, a lot of topics with some expertise. So what? That and a buck will buy a cup of coffee. You know, I'm 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 nothing special. Believe me. I'm just a guy that's been lucky enough to be involved in some things where I've uh, accumulated some knowledge. And hopefully, I'm being able to pass that knowledge along, which is, which is the goal here, right? Um, especially to the younger generation. So uh, they, they, you know, they, they have some, at least some historical reference on things. But knowledge, Solomon pursued knowledge. It, it doesn't say he pursued wisdom. It said he pursued knowledge. He wanted to learn how everything works. He wanted to know everything. Now, let me ask you this. Remember in the garden in the in the Genesis story, around Genesis 3? What was the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of? The knowledge of good and evil. Right? When they ate of it, Satan said, the snake said, You will be like God, knowing the knowing about good and evil. Well, what's happened since that moment a lot of hap- a lot of things happened since that moment, as you know, but what really one of the things that happened that we're stuck with is an insatiable need to know we must have knowledge we got to know how things work and some of that can be used for good but a lot of it is used for bad be honest with you so too much knowledge the pursuit of it without it being used for the good of the kingdom for just getting knowledge to have now it's a worthless thing and it shouldn't be valued so if you've got a uh, like me a college professor and, you know, I'm kind of a pompous jerk because I think I'm something because of my experiences. Um, don't give that any value. You know, check the box. And here, here's what's funny. Jesus Jesus <laughs> deals with this really directly when it comes to the Pharisees. He tells his disciples, he says, look, look, do everything they tell you to do when they're sitting in the Moses seat. So when they're preaching at you, do what they say. He goes, but don't do what they do. <laughs> it, was, it was really a great line because he's like, when they're, when they're telling you what the law says, when they're reading, the, reading God's word to them, yeah, you can listen to them, but don't, don't be like them because they're horrible. And so when you're around people that are in positions where they are flaunting knowledge or thinking they're something because they have knowledge, certainly, you, you know, take the truth and, and apply it, right? But don't be like them. Don't, don't emulate them. Don't, don't admire them. Don't, don't give them value that they don't, that is it, certainly not deserved. There's no value in that, and for yourself, you know, I have a lot of college kids. Don't get wrapped around the axle about about education. You, you know, I, I remember in my undergrad, let me just tell you about this. I think I needed 186 quarter hours to graduate, and of that 186 hours, I actually had more music hours than I had journalism hours. And I think I only needed like 30 journalism hours, 36 journalism hours, or something like that to graduate with a journalism degree. If I needed 36 hours for journalism, what about the other 144 hours? What were they for? Well, just miscellaneous liberal arts stuff. None of which, well, not very much of which I use, to be honest with you. And and so the, the institution of it gives great value. Great value. Hey, Trish is there. Yay, nice to see you. The institution gives great value to education, as if it has value in and of itself. I'm just telling you, we learn from Ecclesiastes that knowledge, the pursuit of knowledge, in and of itself, has zero value. It has value when you use it to serve others. It has value when um, uh, when you say, "I'm going to learn something so that I can apply it." Now, look at look at my bookshelves, right? I, and I got more upstairs, and I got. I, yeah, all I do is study. I'm not saying knowledge is bad, but why? So I can learn more about God. So I can learn more about me and and what schmuck I am and how to how to better be a better person, right? I I, I do all this work so I so I can I can counsel people so I understand better, right? It's all about it's all about doing things for Jesus. That's that's what knowledge is good for. So the first thing we learn about Ecclesiastes is his pursuit of knowledge he gave value to that knowledge for knowledge sake which is worthless Um, so sorry philosophy majors if you're watching uh, it it has no meaning and that's why philosophy majors chase their tail around and around and around and and can't land on anything because it's knowledge for knowledge sake and that uh, you know it's nice but it doesn't it doesn't do anything Um, and I'll tell you my litmus test. So this is my litmus test. I, I used to drive people crazy. I, I think I still do. Um, when I'm in a meeting and people are telling me something or I'm, I'm being, you know, questioning the value of something, I call it the so what factor. When you get done speaking and I say, so what? And you can't tell me why it's important. You got a problem, at least with me supporting what you're doing and sometimes what we learn with that with knowledge on both ends so what that i've got advanced degrees so what so what that i have 38 years experience doing fun stuff who cares i mean so what why would that make me better than you right so what that you're a freshman in college and don't know anything yet about you know academics or those type of things and you're just learning how to use you know chicago style who cares so what right? It's when I say you're learning this stuff so that you can then do something for the kingdom to to fulfill your mission in life, to fulfill your ministry. Well, then there's a so what, right? So this is the thing about Ecclesiastes. Don't give value to things that don't have value, especially people who think that um, they're better than you in any kind of situation, but better than you because they think they're smarter than you. There's always that person who wants to be the smartest guy in the room, and you just got to kind of not give that much value and, and make yourself feel like you're worthless because you're not at their level um, or, or, you know, enable them to think that they're worth something because, so what, that they, they're Einstein? Um, pff, good for you. <laughs> the next one was amusement. The next thing he pursued was amusement. And what falls into this amusement is wine, women, and song. Uh, Solomon had literally hundreds of wives and concubines. I think he had like a thousand concubines and a couple hundred wives. And they were foreign wives. He didn't take them from Israel. Um, and God said, don't marry foreigners because you'll be tempted to go into their religion, of course, which he did. Uh, yeah, just just dumb. I mean, for the wisest guy in the world, he's the dumbest guy ever. Uh, but Amusement uh this is a tough one because there's a balance here it's not like god is a killjoy and says i don't want you to have any fun he wants you to have the right kind of fun for the right reasons right and so when you read the book of leviticus or you read some of the uh the if you do this i'll do that stuff in the bible you'll think gosh i don't get to do anything you know don't drink under drunkenness are you kidding me what's the purpose right uh same with you could take that a step further don't do drugs just to do drugs um, so if you're smoking dope just to, to mellow out, right? Or you're you're doing ever whatever, whatever you're doing, coke, whatever it is, scripture says don't do that. And and you, you 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 are you go, what 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 can I do? What where's the where's the part where I get to do entertainment? Well here here's where it falls. What he learned was he 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 was doing it wrong. Okay. So we've been created by God have life abundant according to Jesus, right? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he talks about um, that that the line is, no one comes to the Father except through the Son. But he talks about what life abundant is. I, I came so you would have life abundant. And if he's the life, he's the life abundant. And so what you look at in scripture is God says don't drink under drunkenness. Don't do drugs. Don't, don't, don't mess with the 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 temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't screw around with it. Um, do things that are God-honoring even when you think it says think about things that are um, that are really good uh, that's in Philippians I think it talks about as you're thinking about stuff think about things that are true and, 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 and beautiful and righteous and all those kind of things don't think about the stuff we think about our amusements can get us in a lot of trouble and and here's why we're rebellious You know, think about this, we're all sinners every one of us, me, you, everyone We all want to rebel against God, every one of us does. And so we try to amuse ourselves with things that God would say those aren't the best things for you. Whether it's 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 sex out of of wedlock, it's um, that's marriage, that's an old word. Um, Whether it's drinking too much or playing too much or playing too hard, um, doing things that aren't legal, whatever it might be, right? Uh, We want to rebel because we think, A, we know better. B, it's more fun than the things God would have for us. But right now, I'm looking out my window, and I, I live on about an acre and a half, a little more property, and the sun's out, and the trees are there, and this is the part of the year I like, that the cherry blossoms are starting to bloom, and uh, um, it's just beautiful out there. And for some of my friends, I notice that they go on like on nature things, I'm not a big nature guy, um, but, yeah, you know, I've been to Silver Falls and walked around the falls, and I've been, I've been to places and done that. And what I've learned is there's plenty of things you can do that are more life-giving, more rejuvenating. Like going to the beach for me, uh, throwing the dogs in the ocean, having fun with them, um, than, than drinking ever was. Than partying, than, than any of the stuff, uh, y- you know, uh, the, the bouncing from girl to girl that some people do and all that kind of stuff. Crazy. I mean, why would you why is why is that fun? But people give value to that. And the reason they give value to that is there's something much more deep-seated as to how they do their amusement. Okay? So look at Solomon. He's got I'm just gonna psychoanalyze Solomon for a second. He's got a, a couple hundred wives and a thousand concubines. Think about Solomon for a second. Who's his mom? Do you know? Bathsheba. David had her husband killed, Uriah, right? So he could cover up the fact that he had basically raped Bathsheba, taken him, in, taken her in, and made made her his wife. So there's a you know a, not only just raping her but adultery there. Their son that was that was uh, conceived out of that out of that uh, incident is, is, dies. Lord takes him, and then Solomon comes. And so, do you think that the guy's a little messed up in terms of his his male female relational mom dad roles and all that kind of stuff? And it, it, David's his dad, and you, and Bathsheba's his mom. But you've got to know the story, right? And so you would say hmm, maybe he's got some some mommy and daddy issues. He <laughs> <You> probably should. <laughs> So how does he amuse himself? Is he able to have relationship? Is he able to have you know, solid relational um, understanding? I don't think so. And I think that him bouncing around the way he did kind of proves it. He went from woman to woman, to woman, to woman. He always had foreign women, he, had, had a, he was intoxicated by it. And that's not great. And so as he chased amusement and he gave value to amusing himself. We do the same, don't we? We self-medicate. Our lives stink, so we try to put something in it that is at least numbs the pain of it. And that can be alcohol. It can be it can be work. It can be uh, people. It can be whatever it is. And that's not really. going to work. (laughs) And that's kind of what he's saying here is I chased all the amusement stuff. I tried to keep myself distracted. I did all the things I, I, I did all the stuff I could do. And I gave value to it. I gave value to having all this stuff because it made me feel better. But he says, it's all vanity. It's all, it's all nonsense. And so the question with you is, um, what kind of amusement stuff are you doing to try to fill a, fill a gap, fill a hole in your life? You know, the Lord will rejuvenate you. The Lord will put people in your life that that will have real relationship with you. The Lord will give you opportunities to commune with Him in ways that will fill you like you can't believe. Uh, there are really great things to do in the world, um, whether it's bowling or going to the beach or whatever it is you like, that will amuse you to take your mind off things, right? You can, you can do all that stuff. You don't need to be doing the things Scripture says don't do to try to fill this hole in yourself, but we give value to it because, um, you know, it does make us feel good in the short term, but doesn't it take more and more and more of that? I know a lot of people smoke dope in Oregon here. It's, it's legal to smoke. And I've always, you know, it starts out with, well, I just need to calm down. Or one guy said, I just need to sleep. So it starts then it rolls, right? You can't not have it to sleep, and then you're always more anxious, so you need more and more of it to calm down. But it's okay because it's only it's only marijuana, and and you know okay whatever, but you're not doing what God would have you do, and so it's not God honoring, and you're giving value to something in your life that doesn't have value. Again, our amusements, unless they are from the Lord to rejuvenate, refresh, and and prepare us for the work He has for us to do in the kingdom then it's worthless. And and basically that's what Ecclesiastes is saying, Solomon's saying, look, I did all this stuff. I, I had as many wives and concubines and, and wine, women, and song and fun as you possibly could have. I did everything I could possibly, he was the richest king of all the kings that were living at the time. And he's like, that did nothing for me, nothing. So how much value do you give your recreation and the kind of recreation you have right? Are you doing, is your recreation, your need for it, getting in the way of things you should be doing? Or vice versa, are you like me? I don't recreate enough. I don't refresh and rejuvenate enough. I don't think I've been on vacation in 10 years. Um, I I joke that my life's a vacation, but um, I don't do it. It's not something that, when I was growing up, the way I grew up, it was not part of our thought process. It was not something that we said, oh yeah, you take vacation every year who could do that we couldn't afford that um and, and so people would talk about well my family went to hawaii great i will never be able to ever do that so it's not part of my consciousness to do those things and so when i was younger i filled my life with amusements that were not god honoring because i didn't know how to do god honoring re- refreshing and rejuvenation and now i do you know i still don't take vacations. But see all these books behind me? That refreshes me. Teaching the karate to the kids that refreshes me. Pouring into people, that, serving people refreshes me. It's amazing how God fills me and fills me and fills me and fills me. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that is amusing to me. Whether it's the reading or watching movies with my wife or doing the karate or whatever I do, that stuff fills me. And so, are you giving value? too much value to your entertainment. I, I, I see people sometimes where um, what they value more than anything is a quality of life, and the quality of life doesn't include working. And uh, even though scripture says, don't work, don't eat, they would rather just mess around rather than you know be, be productive. And on the other hand, I see people that will not do anything to, for self-care, and they won't take care of themselves. Both are wrong. Both are bad. So Solomon addresses that and says, you know, you got to choose the right the right things that you're going to pursue that are refreshing and amusing to you, amusing, um, loosely, um, and and that's deep relationship. That is honest, transparent, vulnerable relationship. That's that's life giving. Um, a thousand concubines and and a couple hundred wives is not life giving. Um, let's go to the next one. Possessions. Ah, uh, this is a good one. How much stuff do you have? Look at, my, look at my place. I got lots of stuff. I love stuff. Stuff is great. But someone's going to own all my stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 56 years old. I don't know if I've got another year left. If, if I, if I could pass out and die tonight. I got my COVID. It's my second COVID shot Friday. I could die then. Uh, I could die 30 years from now. Who knows? But someone else is getting all this stuff. And Solomon possessed Everything. I mean, he got horses and chariots and he, and he brags about all the stuff he has. And sometimes we give value to stuff. Um, I know that if you grew up poor like I did, you value stuff. Not necessarily because it's valuable, but because it makes you feel comfortable and in control. Being able to have stuff gives you comfort and it gives you control. And when you have that, you, you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm safe. Right well, you're supposed to get that from God, and sometimes we will have idols in our life that's stuff. so Solomon he uh, um, possessed a ton of stuff and he would this is a great line so she the queen of Sheba comes and uh, is impressed with him. Everyone's heard about Solomon, so she's gonna go check him out and see if he's if he's as advertised and she's like blown away. he's even better than advertised and Solomon because he was arrogant, um, brings her into the temple to show her all the stuff he owns. All the shields, all the gold, all the everything. And he just kind of is bragging about his stuff. And he was giving value to that stuff when it had no value. Because when he died, someone else got it. And and we know that Israel is sacked a few times, and all their stuff is stolen from them. (laughs) It doesn't matter. All right, the only thing that had any value in terms of stuff is the Ark of the Covenant because it had the, the the Ten Commandments in it, and that's been lost to antiquity. Actually, you know, the Ethiopians think they have it. There's a place in Ethiopia where they guard it, and they they say they have the Ark of the Covenant. Just FYI on that. Um, they think that um, was it, John. They think I think John they said came over from he came over and brought it to him, But that's a rabbit trail itself. But um, I just I just think that we, you you can get to a place where uh your stuff can can define you. Right? Your stuff can define you. And status. You know, you see people driving Lexuses. And uh why? Well, it's a good car, but it's also a status symbol. And uh um whatever. Uh, You you see people wearing the the right clothes. You see people doing this and that. If you read the newspapers, I read the papers in the morning uh, online. And in every paper, there's some story about some celebrity that wore the wrong thing. and (laughs) And they're getting hammered by some fashionista because they didn't wear the right outfit. And it's like, Am am I living in the twilight zone? That has no value whatsoever. Yet our stuff defines us and we allow it to. Why? It makes us feel good. Now here's, here's what we know so far, knowledge, amusement, and possessions. And we're gonna get to more stuff. It's all about how you feel. Why do you pursue all this stuff? Why do you think you pursue knowledge, pursue amusement, pursue possessions? to make yourself feel better. So the assumption is, the underlining assumption is you don't feel good. You don't feel right. There's something kind of wrong with you. Well, there is. You're broken. You're sinful. We're we're not the people we're supposed to be. And the the only answer to that, no, it's not more cowbell, the only answer for that is Jesus. God's the only one who can fill those holes in us, and we keep on trying to fill them with other stuff. And we put value on things that don't have value. So a lot of the kids that, that um, I, I talk to career-wise, some are, uh, I mean, all of them are just great Christian kids. They, they're not in it for the money at all, which is great, or the possessions. But they'll place value on relationships and they'll, they'll put too much value on it, meaning they're codependent or someone's codependent upon them and they don't know how to break that cycle. They'll put value on how, what other people think of them which gives other people control over you instead of you being able to control your narrative right they'll put value on uh, you know for the for the young women it's looks if they don't look the same way as whatever magazine or whatever the boys like today flavor of the week then they place value on it and they think that they don't have value they place value on affirmation you know you have to be affirmed by somebody and whether you're, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of athletes or whatever, who are used to being told they're the greatest, um, they need that affirmation. And it's not enough that they're a child of God. It's not enough that they're an heir to the throne, right? It's not enough that they were sinners who've been saved. So um, I just think that, that when, when you're thinking about where you place your value, most of the people I meet, their value systems are really screwed up. One of the exercises I run people through is write a chart. Write down the stuff that you think is important. Family, relationship, whatever it is. School, whatever. Just write down your list. And and then, and then talk about how much value you place on it. A lot, little, whatever. And then, in the second column, you ask this question. How would God value that? How would God value that? The same way as you? And most people go, well, not at all. And I'm like, yeah, not at all. So what are you doing? Because you're going to get wrapped around the axle, just like Solomon did. I mean, Solomon wasn't smart enough to see it during his, the, 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 the heyday of his life. You get wrapped around the axle on this stuff, and you get distracted and pulled away from God, what God would have for you, what God have you do. You know, Ephesians 2.10 talks about you were made to do good works that God prepared for you in advance. That's what you're made for. You're not made to chase all this other stuff. I mean, Solomon's great. He calls it chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. He's like, it's worthless. You're not going to catch it. You're not going to fulfill yourself doing it, right? So your possessions. Uh, scripture doesn't say be poor. The Franciscans had it wrong. The Franciscans were like a, uh, mon- a monk group that said, we're just going to be poor. Because, you know, if we're poor, it'll, it shows that how much we love Jesus. Scripture doesn't say that. It says, if you have means, give generously. And so the women that were supporting Jesus when he was all walking this earth were not poor. They had their own money, and they were funding the ministry, right? So I never never think that, that, that this idea that you can't have possessions because you're supposed to walk around you know, with a sour look on your face uh, all poor and destitute. That's not what Jesus calls you to. He may call you to being a really fantastically um, um, successful businessman or a woman. And then you have to give back to the kingdom because the money is not yours. (laughs) The possessions are not yours. They're to be used for the kingdom, for kingdom work, which is evangelism, discipleship, um, you know, missions work, whatever it might be, right? And so so where's your value? What are you placing value on that God would say that, that has no value or certainly doesn't have as much value as you're putting on it? Um, the next one he talks about is madness and folly. (laughs) Basically, he was just, you know, fooling around, just messing around, doing crazy stuff. Uh, being irresponsible. That's, that, that's, I think the best way I can put that. He chased being irresponsible. Do you ever get to the point, especially if you've been an adult for a while, where you're like, nobody told me that this was what adulting was all about. I think I'd like to go back to being a kid. Do you see older people my dad's a perfect example of this, older people that really should be adults that just act like they're not going to be responsible at all? And you've met these most irresponsible people ever that do have no impulse control, have no inhibitions, and just do whatever they want to do, uh, dang the consequences. I think that's what he, what paul's talking or Solomon's talking about right now. So I think that what you you end up with is um madness and folly irresponsibility so here's here is him he's chasing it he's pursuing madness and folly why i think the pressure got to him you know he's king he's the wisest guy in the world everyone's coming to him um i think there's a point where you just you just go i I can't take this anymore i want i want to escape it and so he acts a fool and uh um what did get him nothing got him nothing didn't fix his problem, didn't make him feel better. And again, it's not about your feelings. This is, this is what's so funny. If, if, scripture says uh, that the heart is the most deceitful of all uh, the, the parts of the body. The heart is the most deceitful. And so you can't believe your feelings. And so answer me this, how many of you have ever made a decision based upon your feelings and had it be wrong? Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and so, you know, our feelings change. Our feelings change here or there, depending on circumstances, right? Uh, and if you if you got depression or some anxiety or something, they really change. You can go pillar to post on these things. We don't follow our feelings, we follow our faith, right? And so I think that in this madness and folly that he pursued, he was just being super irresponsible because he was just tired of being responsible. Ever get there? Some of my, some of my college students. Um, they get to their junior year, especially their senior year, like right about now, a month before they're going to graduate, and you just want to throw your hands up and say, "Just get it over with." And they stop working hard, and they stop doing their readings, and they, you know, they just they just want to coast through it. I don't blame them. I was there, and uh, because you had it, and you just you just want to be irresponsible. You want someone else to be responsible, but that's not what we're called to. You know, scripture says in Luke, "Too much is given, much is expected." And those of us who have found the Lord and understand that, that we were sinners and we were dead in our sins and that Jesus paid the price for those sins and, and that, that, that we are in Christ and that we are seen as holy and righteous and we're saved because of him, not because of us, because of him. That's a lot. We've been given a lot. And it's been, been given to us by grace, not, not anything else, not works. We just have the faith. There's a lot expected. And there's a lot of responsibility that goes along with it isn't it you know scripture says if you do this i'll do that and it says that you got to turn the other cheek you got to forgive you've got to not judge you've got to uh pray for your enemies and love uh, you know pray for those who persecute you and, and love your enemies you've got to serve you've got to be humble you, you know all the things he asks of us are really difficult and it's a lot of responsibility but to whom much is given much is expected so you don't get to be irresponsible. You don't get to put value on um, just not taking responsibility for your life and thinking that that's more important or more valuable or a better choice than anything else. Next one he talks about is, is labor or work. And he chased after that. You know, he built cities and he built a temple. And, you know, he did, he did really some massive architecture kind of stuff. And he worked and he worked and he worked and i think that work is one of those really slippery slopes especially for men but some women as well where we define ourselves by our job and our job title i i I fell in that trap when men meet the first thing we ask each other is what do you do and it's really not a matter of asking what you do i don't care what you do i'm wondering if i'm higher in the pecking order than you i'm wondering if my job's more important than your job right that's why we ask and it's all a game, and we give value to somebody who has a bigger job than me. So let's say I'm I'm working as the uh, administrator at the Oregon Department of Veterans Affairs, and I run all the veteran programs for the state. That was my last like full-time job, and I meet somebody They say, Oh, I'm the director of the Oregon Department of Transportation. They're higher up in the pecking order than me, so I have to defer and be humble. And but if I meet someone who says, Oh, I'm I'm over at uh, the AG department. I I just uh, uh, clerk for you know, some, some, I don't know, manager. I'm hiring them because I'm an administrator and I run the world. It's silly. It's just silly. But we define ourselves that way and we give a ton of value because our self-worth and our value of self is tied up in that. So what should our self-worth and value be tied up in? Jesus. I mean, if Jesus... Think about this if, if god so loved you that instead of letting you go to hell because that's what we all deserve for our rebellion he sacrificed jesus on a cross in a horrible death so that you could be redeemed and reconciled to god and forgiven and judged not guilty don't you think that should be your identity? Don't you think? Don't you think that's enough? Do you think that your job title as as CEO of Acme, you know, footwear, is 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 valuable at all? Yet in the society, isn't that what we value? Don't we value guys like Jeff Bezos, the head of Amazon, or or Phil Knight, the Nike guy? Or you know, we look at these guys and go, wow, look at these or you know, celebrities that have a bazillion dollars, Tiger Woods, blah buy their products, (laughs) because we give that value. And if you're trying to get your self-worth, if you're giving value in your job title, understand that tomorrow you can be unemployed. You are a cog in a machine, and one day you're important, the next day you're not. I've seen so many people um, go through serious depression because they lose their title. This happens to legislators a lot. When I worked in the legislature, some guy would lose lose an election, and it was Crushing to their ego, crushing to their their self worth and their value and their identity because they had been a legislator, and now they're not. And now what are they? Well, whatever job they had beforehand. And they don't have the lobby calling them and whining and dining them and all. You know, it's, it's crushing to them. But I've seen them too, where people retire. You ever you ever notice that people with big jobs when they retire they're usually dead within five years, because they have no self worth, they have no self identity, they don't value, and so when you define yourself by those kind of things and you put value on them they don't have that value you know my students if you're watching your grades <laughs> you value so much your grades um okay you know what though after you're like your even if you get asked in your first job um grades don't matter your degree does no one ever asked you what your grade point average was after a certain point and actually, in my, in my life, I never got asked what my GPA was. But we put so much value on making sure we get A's and B's. And we're like, not, not, oh my gosh, a C, I'm going to kill myself, right? Um, no, it has no value. But you're defining your value and worth by this artificial thing. And that's not how we define ourselves. So if you get a D in a class, suck it up, it's okay. It's Not the end of the world. You're probably still going to graduate and get a job. It's not a big deal. Even if you drop out of college because you have to, because of money or grades or whatever, fine. God has something else for you. Don't put a, put this value on whatever happened and have it define you in such a way where you have no self-worth, where you don't see that your worth is in Christ and your worth is not in all these artificial things. And that's, See, this is what Ecclesiastes is all about. He chased this, he chased that, he did this, he did that. He did everything under the sun, he says. And he thought, he, he, he learned that none of it had any value. See, he was trying to define his identity by these different things. He chased philosophy. It also says he chased riches. He, he was a rich guy. He, he, had, he had all the money. He tried to, to, to fill his life with everything the world had to give. Okay. Imagine you're in a position where you're a multi-billionaire and you can do anything you want. You can buy planes. You can go to any country you want to attend any event you want to attend. You can, um, you know, party with the elite. Uh, you you can you can get presidents elected. You can overthrow countries. I mean, there's, uh, you you can do anything. Just think about your wildest wildest fantasy. <laughs> so what? See, scripture says, um, "What is it to gain the world but lose your soul? What is it to gain the world and lose your soul?" And that's the bottom line here. Ecclesiastes and Solomon says, at the end of this, after he did all this crazy stuff, the only thing that mattered was fear of the Lord. And what what is fear of the Lord? Well, one you know, scripture, Jesus said, hey, don't fear the one that kill the body. Fear the one that can kill your soul, right? There is this awesomeness about God that is a little frightening. But it also means that when he gives you commands, obey him. Out of respect, out of you know that he knows what's best for you and you don't know what's best for you because you're fallen and stupid, right? It means fear the Lord means walk in his ways, be in his will, do things his way, admit he's right and you're wrong. It's all that stuff. See, Jesus, when he, when he left at Matthew 28, he talks about um, this final command he gives his guys. He says, go out through all the world and, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And people forget this part. They don't, they don't mention this very much. And he says, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Now, listen to that language. He didn't say, and share with them everything I told you. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. That's a pretty stern statement there. So what he's telling us is, hey, there's a a standard. There's a standard here. We are to love, we are to show grace and mercy and non-judgment and all these other things, but we're supposed to be holy and righteous and just and all these other things at the same time, just like God is. And we are to teach people to obey. Now, everyone hates the word obey. But in my ministry, I'm trying to teach you to obey the things Jesus commanded. He says, if you love me, you'll do what I commanded. You'll do what I say. That's in the Luke version. Do you love Jesus? Or do you love the world stuff? Because all of the Ecclesiastes stuff, that's you trying to define yourself in a way with worldly things that makes you feel better. And so you give value to a relationship and you end up, let's say you have a relationship and the person is asking you to do things that go against your faith. And you think it's incremental, it's not a big deal, so you do it, and you compromise. And then you find out that that didn't work, and then you're just hating yourself because you compromised yourself when you shouldn't have, because you wanted the affirmation of another person because you gave that other person more value than you gave Jesus. That happens, okay? Um, Let's say that you have some self-worth issues, and you keep on thinking that you're not you don't have any value. You have no worth. You've been treated like a victim all your life and and you've been beat up and all this other stuff and you just you're just low, low, low. You give that more value than the fact that God don't make no junk. And that you are perfect in his eyes. And if you're perfect in God's eyes, what else do you want? You want the acclamation of men or you want the acclamation of God? See what I'm getting to? Do you see what I'm getting to? The Value you place on things defines you. And I would guarantee most people have their value misplaced. They value their job more than they value their God. They value their time more than they value going to church and being part of the community. They value their money more than they do value tithing, which is a command. They value um, their talents that they have for their purposes and don't value sharing those talents with those who are in need. You see this? But here's what I can tell you from my own life. I I was that guy. Am I beating you up? Yeah. You know why? Because I was that guy. Here's what I learned. When you do it God's way, it is more fulfilling than anything you've ever done. And it's weird. It shouldn't be. But it is because God's economy works differently than the world's economy. See, God, what God values and and transforms you with and, and changes you through the Holy Spirit and does things with you is the exact opposite of the world. We find value in our humility. We find value in our service. We find value in being a child of God. We find value when we are transforming into someone who's non-judgmental. We find value when we can when we can bear our, our brothers and sisters' burdens. We find value when we can work as if we're working unto the Lord and everything we do. We find value in those things. That's where we place our value. We find value in walking along someone who doesn't know the Lord and trying to share with them what we know about how it changed our lives. We find value when we are with someone who's in a miserable position. And we're just there with them. And we don't find value any longer in money. We don't find value anymore in titles and prestige. And the cars we drive and the clothes we wear. We don't find value in those things. We know they're fleeting. Now, if God blesses you with them, that's fantastic. Good for you. But use them for the right purpose, which is kingdom purpose. Don't use them to puff yourself up and make yourself feel better because it won't work. You're filling a hole that's a god hole and you're trying to fill it with Nikes. It's not going to happen. Don't value celebrities and artists and Instagram, um, whatever they call them, influencers, all that crap. Don't value that because it has none. Remember this. When you die, you're gonna meet Jesus. You're not meeting anybody else. As one guy said, the road to heaven doesn't go through your front yard, right? You're gonna meet Jesus, and he's the only guy you gotta impress. Is the stuff you place value on going to impress him? I have a lot of friends in politics. When you get in front of Jesus, are they gonna be impressed by your voting record? Are they going to be impressed by your lobbying skills? Are they going to be... No. Jesus is not going to be impressed by any of that stuff. Your works are going to be put to the flame. 1 Corinthians 3. And that that has value for the kingdom will be gold and jewels and good stuff. And that which is nonsense will burn up. And there will be nothing left of it. So I want you to evaluate your life. I'll finish on this. But evaluate your life. What do you place some value on? What stuff do you think is valuable? And then ask yourself the question, does God see that as valuable? And are you placing too much value on it or too little value on it? Do do you have your value thermometer here in the right place? Is it up or down? Where, Where is it? Are you in the right place? Because when you get your values in the right levels, where Jesus says, "If you love your father and mother more than me, you have no part of me," was He saying not to love your mother and father? No, of course you're supposed to love your mother and father. Uh, the Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father, right? But He says, "If you love them more than me, if your thermometer on that's too too high, you have no part of me. I come first, then your parents, right?" These are the things that Jesus is telling us and teaching us about how we place value on things. Your self-worth cannot be based on the things that Solomon tried. Knowledge and amusement and possessions and responsibility and work and you know, philosophy just chasing your tail on thoughts, on your money or lack thereof. Your identity is not based in that stuff. Your identity is based in Christ and Christ alone. And if you don't have your value system set that way, if you're a college kid and your value system puts mom and dad above Christ, we gotta work on that. If you're in a, you know out of college and a young adult and your value system is a, a, that my job title and making sure I get the next promotion and that has value in your, how much money you're making in your young career, if that has more value than Jesus, you're wrong. And as you get older, you know, I know people just get just wrapped around the axle about retirement. My age people and older. Well, in part, retirement's important, but don't you think God provides? Don't get wrapped around the axle about that stuff. Trust God. Do your part, right? It's a partnership. Do your part, but trust God. And the reason I tell you all this is it'll fundamentally change your life. Because, again, I've been the other guy. And I've had transformation in this. And I don't get wrapped around the axle about job titles and all that kind of stuff like I used to. And God's blessed me amazingly because of it. So I would tell you, don't be like Solomon and wait all your life to figure out you blew it. Take the advice now. If you're a college kid, you're learning something here about how to adult. If you're young adult, you know, take these words to heart about who you are. It'll give you strength. And if you're middle-aged or older, it's time for you to make the transition here. It's time for you to put your trust in the Lord and, and throw out these childish things. So I hope that we've learned a little bit tonight about how to properly value things in your life and that you should read Ecclesiastes. It's a great book. Um, it's It's not super long, and and I think that you'll find that the details of what uh, Solomon talks about, you'll be able to go, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. And it'll give you some insight and context to the things we're talking about tonight. But I hope, and I'll pray for you guys, that you're able to place proper value on things in such a way that your life is balanced out where Christ is the head of everything you do. All right, great night. Um, I will catch up with you. I don't know when I'm catching up with you. I don't know when I'm doing maybe Friday, maybe, yeah, maybe Friday. I have my second COVID shot, so I might um, go earlier on Friday and make sure I'm not sick, but I think I'm preaching Friday. So we'll see you then. Have a great Tuesday night.